0: welcome to the Desire Lines podcasts. I'm Rebecca. I'm an artist and over the past year I've been slowly developing Desire Lines, an art project that engages with communities around Crow Park in Keswick, hosted by the National Trust. These podcasts are audio collages that bring together different voices and stories from the project, recorded during walks, interviews and online creative writing workshops. Each episode explores recurring themes that have come up in the conversations. In episode three, we'll hear about Crow Park as a space for leisure, play, and imagination. Join Morris, Jamie, Mary, Duncan, Susie, Monique, and children from St. Herbert's Primary School to hear about changing uses and views of the landscape. They'll take us from the birth of the picturesque movement and beginnings of tourism to how a travelling theatre found a permanent home by the lakeshore to other stories that spring from Crow Park.
1: What sort of information? Where do you want this description, story, narrative to go?
2: Lots of little snapshots Creates this explosion of taste. This artefact was once a guitar.
3: What do you think about the view? Is that- Looking Give over Crow it. Park! What? what? What do you think of the view looking over Crow Park? Is it really good? Now? It's beautiful! See, at this point... Yeah, I think of it as
2: a place I live. No, really <laughs> I, <don't
3: know>. sure. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't
2: know. Like, it's like a documentary. Really no, a nature yeah, yeah. documentary. Just you're in that documentary and you're the one filming it and commentating it. <laughs>
3: okay, so ready. I said it. Go! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God! <laughs> it's so, it's so My socks, so Now, that was fun. Oh, God! The, oh my is nice.
1: the people that arrived in the past Two thousand years ago, had a much greater understanding of this this locality. And in fact, if you think about hunter-gatherers, their knowledge was amazing compared to today's uh, agronomists who just deal with one species. A hunter-gatherer had to know hundreds of plants, hundreds of animals, hundreds of soil types, rock types, where to go, when to move. Their their knowledge was phenomenal. So we arrive. I suppose we arrive in the 17th, 18th century, and then came the, the Romantics, who would, you know, wrote very strange things about Borodal. they would stand at the Crow Park and say, "What a terrifying place!" <laughs> they, they, they thought the place was terrible, um, and that man shouldn't venture here. whole
3: plantation of it's that once covered Crow Park was cut down from In that moment, moment visitors to keswick were able to see a vast new panorama, panorama. <laughs> of mountains In and sense. lakes framed by woodland and, and pastures, pastures. The, the view became celebrated and, and the travelers artists and writers were drawn to, to the valley. valley among, among them there was the painter thomas smith who published one of the first prints of derwent water and the poet Thomas Gray visit visits to Crow Park in 1769 was recorded in a reneu- renewed travel journal. This was an opening chapter in the discovery of the rich cultural landscape of the Lake District. Okay.
1: They they brought it they brought it to life they the, the the artworks that you see are some sometimes exaggerated but of course that then generated more interest from so then we moved into you know, we move into tourism
0: so this at this time um, the the trees were already gone off Crow Park when the Romantics were here
1: yeah the, the, well so so Wordsworth we're talking about early 1800s, that the trees mm-hmm. had gone off Crow Park in the mid, mid 1700s, mm-hmm. so just before. Um, and also, probably at the time of Wordsworth, if you if you look at some of the pictures and paintings, um, there were probably less trees, because um, because there was so much more industry.
4: The Theatre by the Lake itself um, opened on the 19th of August, 1999, but before that there was a theatre called Century Theatre, which was known locally as the Blue Box. That started, um, I believe, in the 50s, and it was um, started as a touring theatre, so it was made up of trucks that travelled around the north of England, um, and it came to Kazakh for its summer season, and it actually wasn't down by the lake, it was in Central Car Park, which is on, on the way to Booths. Um, but at some point it ended up at the theatre and in 1975, I believe it, um, it ended up on the theatre site down at Lakeside um, and stayed there for 20 years. Um, there's sort of legend that it failed its MOT, so it couldn't move any further. Smile, it was very quirky and, I you don't know, if you sat in E8, it rained apparently and you got wet.
3: I can feel the portal. It is pulsating while water drops are flung around. I put one finger through and immediately something grabs me. Cold, hot, spot, spin, splash, red, pink, black, green, rock, pop, stop. It's the effect of the brainwash. It makes you see people in an explosion of colors, all different.
5: Crow Park is now a a place which in many ways is kind of World Heritage Ground Zero, we've chosen that place above all others to put our World Heritage Site plaque and yeah, it's right next door to the landscape tip, Mm -hmm. so it's just quite an interesting juxtaposition that reflects that Mm -hmm. changing attitudes towards, towards land. I think it also nicely demonstrates the sort of demands that are on the landscape as well, sort of between the natural sort of woodland that's there and people wanting to enjoy it and the way that as people who manage the land we've got to react to sort of the, the demands and how it affects the sort of wildlife and, and flora and fauna that you find through the valley. I like this idea of market towns and the Lake District. And obviously, having this this vibrancy and this life, you know, they were places that hosted regattas. They were places that had fairs and races. Um, you know, some of those were for tourists and were traditional horse races. Others were much closer to being uh, shepherds' fairs, and from which you had the Cumberland wrestling and the the fell races, all springing off. <laughs>
2: I arrive at the site, like many others I go to, it's dry, dusty, hot. They tell me a lake of water used to sit where the land slopes downwards. There's a hill in front of me, I assume it used to be an island. One of the excavators, completely clad in protective clothing, comes up and hands me two finds bags. One has a little piece of something that looks like string all coiled up inside, and the other contains something flat but fibrous. I've come across a lot of this. It's something that was called wood from when the area was damp enough to support living things called trees. Was anything else found near it, I ask. No, not close to it, replies the excavator, but all around were bits from cans and bottles that we've already had analysed and they contain drinks, especially alcoholic drinks. OK, I say, I'll take these back to the lab and have a look. When I get back, I place two of the finds in the everything you could possibly want to know ometer. My mouth parts in shock and tears spring to my eyes as I sit down. A sound is coming from the machine, it's beautiful, but it's the words and emotions that they conjure up that have me immobilized. I'm brought back to life by the ping, 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 ping of the machine. It has a result, I wait for it to speak. This artifact was once a guitar. I've seen footage of events, I think they were called concerts, when people would gather in large groups with friends, listen to musicians, take picnics and drink something intoxicating and generally have a good time. That must have been long before the virus took over.
4: Because there have been lots of little snapshots of things that have been really special and amazing and sometimes it's just, you know, it could be a show that that goes down really well with the audience and you just feel that electric sort of feeling of enjoyment of, that, of the audience. And there's something hugely rewarding about that. You know, when I'm front of house, you'll just be walking around and you'll, you'll see that sunset coming in or um, you'll see all the people out on the park. Or it's just or things like, you know, when the helicopter lands and you can hear it inside the theatre and it's always very much there. Um, and I know when I used to work, I used to be the company stage manager. And, and so you'd be working like in a black box on stage, not seeing any light. And then you'd have to go from stage left to stage right by the dressing room or something. You go past stage door where you look through to Crow Park and you go, oh, my goodness, you know, it'd be raining or it'd be a beautiful red sunset, but you'd suddenly see the outside world. And it was always Crow Park, you know, it was something quite magical about that. And then you go back into your black box, you know, into another world.
3: The first one is put in front of me. I think it's a soup, or is it a stew? It's yellow, yellow from the sun setting over the water. It tastes sweet like lemonade, but all the leaves, the water plants and the bark add different notes. The leaves are crunchy like nuts, but slightly sour depending on their size. The bigger the leaf, the sour it is. The water plants are salty with a hint of pepper. The bark is hot. Never thought it would be this spicy. Bark floats on top of the soup like little islands. It all reminds me of Thai food, although the sweetness is rather odd. Is it a dessert? The chef who has made it for me is awaiting my judgment. I taste some more to be certain, but yes, I like it. I don't know what it is, but it creates this explosion of taste in my mouth. That is pleasing. Or is it a smell? It is a smell of chocolate. Yes, it really is chocolate. It doesn't correspond with the flavor. How odd. I feel uplifted, energized. I get my pedal out. It's a 10 for me, I say. Durrant water sweet soup. What a start to the competition.
5: I imagine from about 1780 onwards, it was quite common for for local shepherds and farmers to act as guides to the early tourists and those seeking seeking out picturesque uh, experiences and you know you you'd put your yourself in the hands of a local shepherd and he would escort you to the top of the fell and would get you around It's just such a busy Landscape—it's like it's triple distilled mm. its significance, uh, and that you can barely taste it without being overwhelmed by by everything that's in it. It's just such a potent, overwhelming place now that you can take just one little bit, like Crow Park, and that's it—you can, you can talk for it evermore. <laughs>
0: This podcast was edited and produced by R.L. Wilson. Recordings were made by Rebecca Bainart and R.L. Wilson. Thanks to everyone who's contributed to the project so far and Jessie Binns and the North and West National Trust team for their support. The Desire Lines project is part of Trust New Art, the National Trust's programme of contemporary arts supported using public funding by Arts Council England. To find out more, visit nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash desire dash lines.